All right. Who's ready for some good news this morning? <clears throat> Cheryl, can you put that first, that first slide up, please? We're going to start in Psalm 34. And let's just start reading. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Can you put verse 5 back up, Cheryl, please? This is the verse that I went and saw Pastor Darren in his office and I said, look, do you know what this says? And he said, look, I've got it right here. I'll tell you what, let's do this. So here I am. Okay. We see things like this every Sunday in church. Great words. It's a great sentiment. Things like this, along with over 7,000 promises of God, are found in this Bible. And we look at them all the time, and we sit there every Sunday listening to somebody talk about them. But they don't seem to change our lives much. You see, the thing is, when I see something like that, and I can kind of glaze over it, you know, if you, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study this verse. They looked under him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Huh, they suddenly became better looking. Okay, yeah, I can deal with that. Maybe that's not exactly what it means, but just as a side note, if you do look to him, you will be radiant. Singles, you will be better looking. Husbands, wives, you will be better looking. That was free. That's not even in my notes. Um, but these things, don't, they don't sink in. They don't necessarily impact us and change our lives. Now, I know we're at church, but can we get honest right now, right from the get-go? I can see things like this, and I can think, wow, that's great for you. All the promises found in this book, it's great for you, and I believe them for you. But I know me, and I know my life, and I know the parts of me that nobody knows but me and God. And it's easy for me to feel as though I have disqualified myself from all the promises that God has for us, all the benefits. You know, there, there, there are some perks to this Christian life, and we feel as though we've disqualified ourselves from them sometimes. Um, I'd like to make a statement. This is the main statement I'd like to make in this whole, sir, in this whole message. And I'm going to make it at the beginning instead of at the end in case I lose any of you. At least you'll hear it. Um, there's a foundational truth that is found throughout this word. And it goes like this. Anything that we do to look to God, to relate to God, to undisqualify ourselves to God. Anything that we do that is outside of the foundation that I am his child and he is my father is vanity. It's a waste of time. And I'm even going to use the R word. It's religion. Now, 
Here's what gets in my craw and keeps me from being able to rest and walk in the fact that I am just his child and I don't have to earn anything. And everybody, here, just finish this sentence with me. Okay, this is the verse out of the Bible. If you know it, finish the sentence with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. How many people have you heard say, even you say yourself, even I've said myself, I just want to hear on that great day, I just want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. You ever done anything that make you feel like you've disqualified yourselves from the promises that God has for us? That when we see verses like what was up on the screen, we can go, wow, that's great for Pastor Darren. That's great for Pastor Barry. But I know me. Somebody once said, wherever I go, there I am. And I know me, and I know what I've done. There's another verse in the Bible that talks about servants of the Lord. Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and done all these mighty things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So here's two groups. The good and faithful servants and the depart from me servants. What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, I did a little checking, looked up some definitions, and I won't bore you with all the details, but the good and faithful servants, I did some checking, and it can also be said this way. Well done, trusting and believing servant. Okay? So the master could say, to the, could say about the servant, do you know what? He trusts me. He knows that I have his best interests at heart. And if I ask him to do something, even if he doesn't know why, he believes that there's a reason for it, and he does it. Well done, good and faithful. Well done, trusting and believing servant. This group over here, depart from me. We haven't met. I don't know you. What's the difference? Relationship. You cannot have a servant that you know to be believing and trusting without being in relationship with that person. Okay? Everything that we do for God that is not on the foundation of us being his children and him being our father is a waste of time. It doesn't do anything. It's been, I've heard it said that everything in the kingdom is relational before it's functional. So if we try to relate to the Father through acts of doing, 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 you're entering into a dysfunctional relationship. Because without the relationship without the, the peace of mind that I'm a child and he's my father, we're wasting time. 
I started coming to Crossroads Church over 10 years ago. And I loved it. It was exactly the kind of church that I hoped I could be involved in one day. I came from a very, um, could I say puckered up church? Does that translate? Um, if, I, if I'm not supposed to say that, I didn't say that. But just a very, well, okay. Um, and I started coming to Crossroads Church, and it was different. It was different. It was, it was like, yes, yes, this is what church is supposed to be like. But there are still things going on that I didn't understand. Um, for example, I heard a lot the term identity in Christ. I kept hearing identity in Christ, identity in Christ, identity in Christ. I'm like, okay, I guess everybody knows what that is. I'm just going to pretend like I know what it is too. Identity in Christ. And then they started freedom and identity and freedom and identity. And oh, I thought I knew what those words meant. I just didn't know why they were using them at church. So one Sunday morning, Sunday much like today, sitting in church, guest speaker, he's talking about freedom and identity. He started talking about an experience that he had. He was a counselor at the church where he came from. And um, he was counseling this woman in his office. They were talking, and he, he said, he said uh, when, did, when did you meet Jesus? And she said, oh, I was baptized when I was 10, and I've been coming to church ever since. And he says, well, when have you met Jesus, and it changed your life? She didn't have an answer. So he says, would you like to meet him now? And I'm sitting in my chair going, huh? And so he keeps telling this story. And he says, so I just told her, I said, no, just, just relax. And just take a deep breath. He said, he told her, you know, close your eyes, just relax. He said, now keep your eyes closed. Just turn to your right and see the Lord. So she did that. And she started to weep. And he said to her, he said, um, he said, he's here, isn't he? She said, yeah. So he said the only thing he can think of to do was leave the room and leave the two of them alone. And he talked a little more. And he says, you know, he said, that can happen for some of you today right here. And I'm sitting in my chair and I'm going, okay, I see where this is going. Boy, I sure did used to love Crossroads Church. <laughs> what am I going to do now? So he started talking a little bit more and he says, he says, you know, if you're willing, why don't you take a deep breath? So he's telling us this, take a deep breath and he said, you know, close your eyes and I'm like, all right, whatever. This is one shot. I'm going to give it, and then I'm out of here. <laughs> he says, keep your eyes closed. Turn to the right and see the Lord. When I turned to the right, I saw the Lord. I had a vision of Jesus right there at Crossroads Church on a regular old Sunday morning. 
So now here I am looking at Jesus. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> Felt like I needed to say something. Didn't think about it. Didn't know what was coming out. Didn't even really know anything was coming out. All of a sudden, something came out. I said to him, you know, I try to do things for you, but I'm not very good at it. Does that sound like somebody with a servant mentality? Does it sound like somebody who felt they were disqualified from the perks that God has for us? Lucky for me, he responded. He said three words to me. Do you know what they were? I'll bet you a lot of you are thinking, oh yeah, I know what they were. He said, I love you. No, he didn't. Unless you've heard me tell the story before, you never guess the three words he said back to me. I'm trying to figure out what all this identity in Christ stuff is, what all this freedom stuff is. I said, I try to do things for you, but I'm not very good at it. He said, I don't care. I looked over at my wife and I looked about like I look right now. And she said, you saw him, didn't you? I said, yeah. It's about eight and a half years ago. And it's still just as fresh as the day it happened. Can you imagine the weight that was lifted off of me when he told me he didn't care about what I'm trying to do for him? And suddenly I understood what this identity word meant, what this freedom word meant. It finally sank into my spirit. And I understood that when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. The freedom that I felt, that I didn't have to try to earn my way back in from my disqualification, because my disqualification never existed. But that's what it took for it to sink into my spirit, that this was the reality of things. Now, I've been convicted in the last week, stand up here and talk to you about something that happened in my life, the most life-changing event that I have ever been through. And I realized I'm going to stand up there and talk about it, and then I'm going to go on to the next point. I can't. I can't. If there's a one in a hundred chance that this could happen to one person in here today, I'm going to take a minute. So if you're willing, can we just rest in goodness right now? God's goodness has filled this building. And his word says that it's his goodness that brings change in life. Can we let go of our own stuff for a minute 
And even if it's just in our head, realize God has nothing but good for me and his goodness is here right now. So if you're willing, close your eyes and just take a breath. Just relax. Keep your eyes closed. Turn your head to the right and see the Lord. I'd like to do something now just to drive this point home. We're going to go to Luke 15, story of the prodigal son. Cheryl, can you put that first verse up? Some of us has heard the story a thousand times. Some of us have heard it less. The son who says, Father, give me what I got coming when you die. Just give it to me now. I want to go party. Father says, okay. And when he comes to the end of himself, he says, I got nothing left. I got nothing else to do. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you think he felt disqualified? He came to a place where he realized he had nowhere else to go. Sometimes we just got to get there. Where we realize we've got nowhere else to go. Sometimes the end of the road might be, might be further down there and we know we're not there yet. You don't have to go all the way. You know what's down there. You don't have to get there. We know we've got nowhere else to go. <clears throat> Think of your knowledge of Scripture. Everywhere that God is spoken about, where He's alluded to, And think of all the places in the Bible where God is described as being in a hurry. I only know of two. And they're right here. When he saw his son afar off, he ran to get to him. And he told his servants, quick, get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. Why? Because the robe is his covering, the ring is his authority, and the sandals shows that he's his son. Servants don't have these things. Not only could the father not wait to get to the son, he could not wait to get the son restored right back to the very place he walked out of. Now, I want to show you something else. This is really good. 
I got a friend who says, I know what I know, I know what I don't know, and for what I don't know, I know who to call. Well, I don't know as much as him, but I know this. There's not a detail, not a word, not a thought that is contained in our scripture that is there by happenstance. Everything in there is there for a reason. Every seemingly, I don't know why it's there detail. There's no reason for that to be there, but yet there it is. There's a reason for it. And some of these things we see as we go along, some of these things we don't see until we get to heaven and our mind will be blown all over again. When we go back and we go, man, that's what that means. There's, There's a reason for everything. Cheryl, can you put that split screen up, please? So you see up there on the left, that's the son's speech. He had rehearsed that in the pig pen. And he was, per, he, was, he was ready and willing to deliver that speech to his father when he got back. The side on the right, that's what actually happened. This is after the father has run to, get, run to meet his son and said, quick, restore him back to the place that he was. And this is so typical for God. This is so in line with his word. Um, it just shows his consistency and his faithfulness that we can always count on him. Look at the side on the right. Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You ever been there? You ever come to a place where all you can do is make a confession and throw your hands up? And that's where this son was. It's interesting to me where the father interrupts the son. You see, God's all about confession. It's good for us to come to a place of confession. To say, oh God, I got nothing. I got nothing else. I've screwed it up as much as I can. Here you go. What does the father not want to hear? What is the son not allowed to say? Make me like one of your servants. You were not created to be a servant. Not now, not ever. You were created to be a child. God's got a whole heaven full of angels to take care of his busy work. He doesn't need you. He created you to be in relationship with him, in a functional relationship with him. He created you so that you would be able to rest knowing that you're his child. That Jesus is our brother. So that when he looks at Jesus and he looks at you, he's just seeing two of his kids. You can't, 
You can't disqualify yourself from that. There's nothing that you could do to disqualify yourself from that. Jesus took care of that part. And when he sees you, he sees you as his child. So we see scriptures and they don't always impact our lives and preachers stand up in front of churches and they, they just try to think of ways to, to beg and plead with people to, would you just walk in this? Would you just walk in it for one day? But here's what it takes. For this stuff to get to where it really impacts your life, you gotta be humble. You gotta be humble to the point where you just say, I'm going nowhere. My best efforts equal zero. And this is a dead end road. Father, I give myself to you. And I'm going to let you pour on me your love. And I'm going to try to walk from this day on. And I'm going to pretend that all these promises in this book are really real for me. But you see, the thing is, is once you humble yourself, it opens a window for him to come into your spirit and say, yes, you are my child. Everything I have, I have for you. There's a heaven waiting for us and a life waiting for us afterwards. We have no idea. We have no idea. From that place, when we see scriptures like, there is therefore now no condemnation for anybody that is in Christ Jesus. You put up that first John scripture, Cheryl. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called his children. That is who you are. That is who you are. Do we serve him? Oh, yes. Yes, we do. But it's from a place of sonship, from a place of gratitude, from a place of your mind being blown to the point where, of course, I'm going to serve you. What do you think that prodigal son did after, his, after the party and his father restored him? You think he went and sat on some throne somewhere and said, all right, start feeding me grapes again like he did before. I'll bet he was different. I'll bet he was different. Well done, good and faithful servant. It'd be a great thing to hear. But there's something else that I'm really looking forward to hearing. When I stand before him, He's going to say, Hi, son. Hi, son. Hi, daughter. I've been waiting your whole life for you to see me. Servant stuff isn't really going to matter then. It really isn't going to matter then. Will you pray with me? Father, your word says that it's your goodness that brings a person to repentance. That it's your goodness that causes change in a person's life.
And Father, I just, I just ask that this place will be overflowing with your goodness now. In Jesus' name, amen.